is Dave Hanratty, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 355 of the No Encore Music Podcast. We're back at it, and uh, Craig Fitzpatrick is committed to leaving the show so hard that he has, in fact, refused to leave his house. We're back on Zoom for one week only. You're really just, I mean, I, I, like, I know you're leaving, man, and I know that I get it. I, I've accepted the situation. You don't need to do this. Is that you, Dave? Yeah, from across the... Um from across Dublin City. Uh, yeah, back in the boudoir. I, I'm liking this setup now. No. Kind of intimate. Reminds me of the old, you know, pandemic glory days. Back in each other's bedrooms. <laughs> Just the three of us. A few candles lit. I think that might be your Stockholm Syndrome, Craig. <laughs> Possibly. He's feeling romantic, though. Valentine's Day has been and gone. Uh, we got a packed episode coming up on this one, of course. Uh, it's not Craig's last episode yet. Last week, in case you missed it somehow, Craig did announce that he is in fact departing the show quite soon. We have a few shows left before he goes. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the reaction? There's been some very like personal, uh, you know, kind of messages sent your way, and you know, a lot of shock. Yeah, it's been them. no it's been overwhelming. Community. I've been yeah, I've been overwhelmed, and I've been using humor to deflect from the fact that it's only making me leaving harder. And also, if people are just like tuning in for the first time in a while, I did actually tell the guys before I re- revealed on last week's episode that I was leaving, uh, but it didn't make it any easier. But yeah, no, thank you to everyone that's been in touch. Um, you kind of forget how big I, or even a small part of people's lives we are. And um, it was really, really heartening and lovely to read how, you know, people have kind of grown with the show. We haven't grown, obviously. We've stayed the same. But people have I'd been getting on with their lives. And, if anything, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, as we have regressed, we have enabled other people to, you know, start families and um, pursue careers and listen to a lot of podcasts, which I am constantly shocked by. So, yes, thank you to everyone that reached out. It's... um way too much for me to to cope with and um this isn't even not even the penultimate episode so can't wait for that ultimate episode where i will be an um, absolute wreck yeah you're putting on a brave front and um you know also yeah like there 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 were some very lovely personal missives which craig will get back to by the way so i've already i've already responded to everyone as they listen to this i'm setting myself that deadline yeah i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad because there was some there there was some lovely stuff like like even like i I got a few messages from people and uh, people were like this isn't going where I think it's going. Dave's had enough to deal with. Surely not this. And yeah, unfortunately. Oh, Jesus, don't put... No, oh, don't... Okay, yeah. It's all good. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get into it properly in a few weeks' time we when you leave. Are we doing a drinks check? Because that's that's been a no-oxcord staple when we're all sitting around on a Sunday I've got like sparkling water morning. and lemon going over here. Okay, a bit of lemon. How about you, Adam? Drop the vent um, interesting? I ha- not very interesting. I have some tea with some oat milk. Oh, fancy. Um, yeah, a little, I've, little change. I've a, we'll I've a bog a standard cup of tea that I made in a hurried panic um, when I realised it was running slightly late. So I've committed many cardinal sins of tea making. Um, hadn't properly stirred it, left the bag in. It's a mess. It's a mess. Well, I'm kind of furious with you because I'm already looking at, staring down the barrel here at a very large preamble. I, mean, I guess, you know, the episodes <laughs> will be as long as they're going to be for the next few weeks because yeah. I want to try and get as much out of Craig as possible. So, you know, yes. skip ahead. All if you this don't gold. Life updates. You can blame them. Plenty here, though. Like before we get in, like later on in the show, we're going to do top five title tracks based off you know yes. album title tracks. Uh, but for now, let's let, let's have a life catch up. Um, what has been going on? You went to a gig over the weekend that wasn't Chris Brown, thankfully. 
Yeah, it was the Brian Jonestown massacre, a much more um, wholesome affair. It was my first time in Belfast. I think that was probably the headline news, wasn't it? Like just that I had I'd never ventured um, north of the border before or had once but not stopped off in Belfast. Lovely, lovely city, I must say. It's great. It was in places like the Crown, all the kind of classic boozers. Um, people were great. People seemed very excited to talk about Dublin. It, was kind of, it struck me as odd. Um, not so much about League Club. The gig was good, although I knew I would say 20% of the set list, which is always fun. <laughs> and um, and yeah, it was kind of telling that afterwards Anton Newcomb, um, frontman for the band, like tweeted out, that was the best um, like record release party ever. <laughs> and myself and my mate were like, they put a record, new record out? <laughs> that was a record release party? <laughs> I guess that's what they were playing quite a lot of. But it was still great. It was the Jonestown, you know, they did their groovy um, psychedelic blues rock thing and it was very enjoyable and yeah Belfast I will be back it was great you made your train after some there was some commotion about whether or not you would make the locomotion in, in question but you did it you got to Belfast without a hitch it's all good yeah yeah it was great um, speedy enough train as well it's um, the Enterprise train which we have written for um, the accompanying literature <laughs> of course Dave Craig and I are both, Hot uh, Press, yeah. Enterprise magazine uh, published scribes because Hot Press run the train magazine game so yeah our our, our, our amazing work has featured in those over the years so hang on um, I don't know if it's one, still though. going but there was no there was no issue on board so that's a pity a I'm sure it is it has, that, to yeah. has to be uh, the big one though uh, did you go to In the Mood for Love by yourself in the Irish Film Institute on Valentine's night. <laughs> I kind of had to, didn't I, after I announced it on the show. And to be quite frank, like, we're recording a day early and um, stuff has been busy. So I was like, I could have done with yesterday evening just to cut some clips and do a little bit of prep. I was seriously tempted to, if I hadn't mentioned it on the show, I probably would have not gone. And also the fact it was Valentine's Day, but I was like, no, no, this will be good for you. This will give you material are, for the preamble. Those tickets are very steep, so you got you to you put it to use. I, I almost didn't go to Chunking Express at the weekend, but I did go. But we'll get to my excursion. Let's hear about yours first. Now, no spoilers for the film, please, because I'm going to see it this weekend. I've never seen it. But tell me about the experience of being a solo, tortured, melancholic single man in the heart of Dublin at an art house picture. Well, I do, I do love In the Mood for Love. Um, so it's always kind of good to catch up with it and see it again. And seeing it on that screen was great. I was row D and it was very close when you're kind of relying on subtitles. Although I've seen it enough and it's kind of languid and beautiful enough that you don't need to catch every single word. But it was a lot of kind of like eyes flicking back and forth. Um, wasn't quite sold out. And by wasn't quite sold out, I mean, I think there was one spare seat and that was right <laughs> next to me, baby. <laughs> Which I was so much not hoping for. I was like, this looks like I got two tickets and I was stood up. Which is yep. not the case. I got a solo ticket because I'm not sad and pathetic. Um, but yeah, no, it was funny. It was, no, it was great. I, I rocked up. Um, now, as I was sitting down, there was a couple of ladies um, beside me. And a one couple of, of ladies? Me. What are you fucking... <laughs> Classic boozers a, of, a minute ago. A couple of nice women. No, like they were... I don't know. They were nice You're not women, making right. it any better, but go on. Sorry, go on. <laughs> and one of them turned to me and said, um, are you expecting someone to join you or are you going to be sitting alone? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like fucking great and I said please don't I'm hanging by a tread and then I laughed and said no no it's just me uh, because they were they thought I was in one of their 
seats that they're going to take so they could sit together kind of vibe and there was a bit of a commotion and I'm like this is great everyone's just kind of looking over at this exact section at this point though you moved one seat up didn't you and you like sat in between them and you just put your arms on either side I assume that's what happened I did say you'd meet somebody at this just took it from there and and we were talking about troubles that I was on the lookout for so it all paid off um yeah no the film was brilliant though it was fantastic uh, it was very it was a very soothing valentine's day watch to be honest because like you're looking at tony lung and like Maggie the Chung most beautiful man. Going, the most beautiful the two, man. In, two of the, in the most beautiful people that have ever existed and you're kind of like well if their partners have no time for them and if they can't find proper love or will they no spoilers yeah no spoilers that's the conceit of the film um you know maybe I ain't doing so bad we're all in this together so um it was like a nice kind of downbeat absolutely beautiful film and yeah if people haven't seen it I would recommend checking it out so I'm glad I went so thank you no encore what time was the screening because um I saw you tweet at like half eight and I was like surely he's not tweeting during the motion picture I was tweeting during it, yeah, yeah, unrelated <laughs> stuff, of course. Is that not cinema? Good cinema etiquette. It was can we talk about? Six, yeah, can we can we talk about cinema etiquette, please? Because I experienced oh, yes, something very do. strange. So I've been under the weather the last week or so. I've got this very poxy head cold body thing going on. It's just it's, more, it's very irritating, but I'm, I'm hanging in there, guys. And um, on the Saturday, I went to therapy, and I, I woke up on the Saturday, and I was like. I, I texted my therapist the night, the, I emailed him the day before and I was like, listen, I'm not feeling great. Um, I'm, I'm 50-50 bad attending. What do you think? And he was like, look, see how you feel in the morning and let me know. And I woke up and I initially was like, I'm not going to go. And I'm not going to go to the film. I'm just going to stay in my room all day and be, you know, and try and recuperate. But I did go to therapy and then I was like, I was really, really, really edging towards not going to the film. But then I was like, no, no, I paid 14 fucking 50 for this. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go. And I, I've I, 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 this on no encore. <laughs> I'm yeah, going. Yeah, I got, got to commit for the listener. <laughs> but also I was very much, you know, I was like, I've got this fucking cough and I don't want to be, you know, spreading germs all over the cinema. And I don't want to be an irritant in the movie house either. So hopefully I can just keep that down. And because like there was a moment, I can't remember, if, I, I don't know if I told this already on the show, but like to sidetrack for just a second, there was a moment where I was doing like Today FM's the last word, like, news review of the year thing with a bunch of people at the end of the year. And there was a moment where I desperately had to cough. I could feel this, like, burning scratch tickle thing in my throat. And I was like, they're about to throw it to me in a second. And it was the segment about the, like, here's a list of everyone who died this year, you know? And it was just like, it was coming around to me and I was like, I'm going to have to say something. And I was like, I, I, as it came to me, I started talking about Taylor Hawkins and it sounded like I was about to burst into tears. Cry, yeah. And like, all, but, but it was because I had to cough so badly that my eyes literally were like... getting choked up. Watering up. And I was just like, I need an ad break here, like so fucking bad. And I literally was just like, my voice was breaking and I was talking about Taylor Hawkins and how sad it was. And then like, it went to the ad break and like Brianna Parkins, who was there, like gave me this look of like, oh, and I was like, no, no, uh, I had to cough really badly. But also like, like I, my mother and my brother were listening in and they were like, oh, he's really upset because of dad. And don't get me wrong, that was in play for sure. But it was just a physical ailment situation. And I was like, this is a nightmare because you're on live radio. And of course, you know, in these kind of weird positions where you're like, I can't do this. So I was terrified that I would cough during Chungking Express. Went in, sat down, second fucking row, by the way, so close to the screen. And again, it was a solo situation because two of my friends were supposed to get tickets, but it sold out before they could. And I sat down, right? 
and this woman came in and sat down beside me and she had a mask on and I was like, oh no, I'm going to like, I'm going to cough and she's going to freak out. Like this is, this yeah. is a disaster. So the film. More like coughing uh, express, am I right? Horrendous. An absolutely am I right? <laughs> Awful. Craig, right? no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Don't know if we need you for I'm the three more no. episodes, to be honest with you. Um, I'm so off. But, I'm off. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> so the film starts and I'm kind of adjusting to the whole neck crank second row situation and it actually is working out okay. Like it's totally fine. I'm, I'm into the mood. So it's such a great film. I love the visuals. I love everything about it. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And there there was like a seat next to the woman beside me, which was filled by what I presumed was her boyfriend or her friend who came in and they were sitting there and it was a very like hushed reverence over the screening. You know, lots of people who were there to see this classic, classic film. And I noticed that when it began, the guy next to her like took his phone out and went to take a photograph. And I was like, that's fine. You know, like it's a rare opportunity to see a classic movie you probably want to get a photo of the title card and then the phone will go away, right? Wrong. Yeah. He, this guy... Pirate the whole movie. <laughs> he he filmed, like, recorded, like, half the fucking movie. And then when he wasn't <laughs> recording it, with his phone turned to the side, like, landscape style, just holding it up, like he was, like, in the bootlegger episode of Seinfeld. And then he, what? like... Then he was on his phone with full glare for the rest of it and I'm like what what's happening and I didn't want to say anything because I was like I don't want to cause oh, a fucking I would have said something no I couldn't do it I couldn't That's bring myself to, I couldn't bring myself to do it I'm feeling sick I, you know I don't yeah, I don't want to draw yeah, any attention to myself yeah. <laughs> but, but then also the, the, the lady beside me um, who I was terrified of offending by coughing which thankfully I managed to keep to the minimum and then she just takes her phone out and starts going through her phone, full glare. I was like, what's what's happening? I couldn't... That's in the pathetic. IFI... Shame on I, those people. Yeah, of all places. Now, I will say, the film was just too good... A church to cinema. ...that it didn't take me out of the A living experience. monument to the, the art form. Yeah, I mean, fourteen fifty a ticket. What are you talking about? But like, it didn't ruin it. Didn't ruin the film for you, no. No, no, no it didn't. It absolutely didn't. I, 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 loved the film so much, and it was a really beautiful thing to even in the fucking second row with distractions and feeling. It's more about I, I felt I was feeling so sick. <laughs> like, but I was just like, yeah, it's yeah. an hour forty. It's going to be great, and it was. And the more it went on, the more I was like, I'm so glad that I, I went. I, I almost didn't go, and I'm so glad that I. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't seen, I haven't seen In the Mood for Love, but I would trust Craig's judgment. I'm seeing it this weekend. Uh, if you it, yeah. if you listener haven't seen that, if you haven't seen Chunking Express, please go out of your way to see these films. They're fantastic. They're absolutely brilliant. But before we move on, I went to the cinema again, Craig, in the IFI Did as you well. Go and see Heat. Oh baby, <laughs> let me tell you right. So, picture the scene. Right, you're sitting in the IFI. It's Monday. You know, it's Valentine's Eve, Craig, and you're sitting yeah, there. One. You got your best boys. You got Richard Chambers to your left. You got Michael Pope to your right. And you're just sitting there, smack bang in the middle, row I, because I picked very good seats this time. And you're sitting there, and it's been an incredibly overwhelming experience. And then you hear this. It's just, it's just magnificent. It's just so, such a wonderful is thing. Is this just make cry, Craig cry at like any cost until he leaves the show? Just, just keep trying to wear him down emotionally. Just hit him, you hit him with go- some heat. Hit him with some Moby. You could have gone. Uh, but you could, there was still some seats, I think. Um, 
My second time seeing Heat on the big screen, probably my like 20th time seeing it in general, maybe more, who knows. Doesn't get old for me. I think it's incredible. And my God, man, oh, the the big gun battle, the loudest thing I've heard since the time yeah, I was in that amazing. cinema seeing 2001 The Space Odyssey. Uh, it was great. I loved it. Lots of lots of men there <laughs> getting their masculine lots feelings out. <laughs> I don't know what else I can say about the film Heat. I can't really say anything new about it, but I will say it was just a beautiful experience to see it in very crisp, what looked like 4K, sounded incredible. And yeah, I just, it's a perfect film. It was great. So shout out to the IFI and their overpriced tickets. They put on good films, you know. Can I jump I'm usually in a, for a moment? I'm, I'm usually lighthouse loyal, but, uh, <laughs> you know, raise your game, lighthouse cinema. <laughs> I'm going to jump in here quickly and say I was also at the IFI in the last oh, week. Oh, what's going uh, on? I know, I don't know. It's just got a some kind of animal magnetism to it. It must be the week that's in it. Um, but I went to see Tar. And I thought, oh, I'd be mean to see that. I thought it was excellent. It was brilliant, yeah. It was bananas. It was like total, total and utter chaos. Um, if you're like not a fan of stuff that can like easily make you feel awkward or cringe, I would maybe avoid seeing it. Um, because there's a lot of those moments, but there's a lot of like life, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, but there, like, there's a lot of beautiful moments in it as well. I think anyone who's kind of, you know, in the world of music, there's like a lot of moments in there that are really, really nice before, I suppose, one of the major plot lines comes to light, which is an overarching theme. And um, the ending is just bananas. It's so <laughs> hilarious. I, la- I, I laughed out loud at the very end, like genuinely laughed out loud. Um, and also I saw the... Um, the ad for the movie that Craig was going to see. He was like, oh, Craig's going to see that on Valentine's Day. Shout out to everyone around you. What a loser. I was there with my girlfriend and I said it to her, I was like, Craig from the podcast is going to see that film on Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day. Also, Adam, I'm not going to shook her head. Not gonna let you away with that thinly veiled I have thinly a girlfriend veiled. brag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why every time I mention it do you it's because Craig and I are TV thinly veiled. That's why. Because Craig and I can't find the love of a good woman. Okay, Tara is great though. You should go see it. It is excellent. And yeah, I guess that good. concludes our no encore film talk. There might be a lot or more film thinly talk. Thinly veiled IFI sponsored preamble. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking wish we were. They've got the money. I've given them enough in the last few years. I'll stay if they sponsor us. <laughs> I hope there's a big fan in there somewhere on the board um, yeah also yeah in terms of the future of the podcast there may there may very well be more film talk coming I don't know uh, it, I'm currently exploring ideas and I should say over at patreon.com slash no encore I put out like uh, the newsletter I guess you could say for this week in which I was kind of calling on people to get in touch whether it's you know via direct message on there you can get me on social media on Twitter or if you want to and this is genuine for any listener anyone at all who's listened to this and who wants to Talk about the future of the show. Please do so at noencoreshow at gmail.com. You can send in some missives there. Essentially, I'm just looking to see what people really want in the post-Craig era. Uh, mm. It's gonna, it's, like The reality is the show's not going to be the same. That, there's just no way around that. The dynamic will have to change. And I guess, you know, it, it, it leaves like room to do different things, perhaps. Or I'm kind of looking to hear from people what they like about the show, what they don't like about the show, what they want more of, what they want less of. And if they'd be open to maybe the show going in a slightly different direction on different occasions. I don't know. But ultimately, if you like the show and if you want to have a say in what we do in the future, please drop me an email at noencoreshow at gmail.com 
uh, or sign up to Patreon, patreon.com slash noancore. And before we go on with the show, just real quick, um, I would recommend both the Kalela and Caroline Polachek albums, which dropped in the last few days. They're both very, very good. Craig, have you had a chance to listen to either of those? Yeah, um, the Kalela one I've been having is kind of background working music, so I haven't really laser focused in on it, but it sounds great. Um, great to have her back. Her voice has got like even come on leaps and bounds somehow, which I didn't think was possible. I love how it sounds like you're just listening to kind of 90s dance radio at times. Like there's a very British Isles, Irish vibe to, I don't know, there's a huge dose of nostalgia of listening to it for me. Um, So yeah, I'm intrigued to find out more. I haven't heard um, the Caroline Polacek record as yet, um, but definitely going to check that out. What I would say as well, just real quick, one last kind of stopper is that you know, I, <laughs> some people were like snarky with me for being like, they're like, you put out that tweet at the end of the year saying you didn't think it was that good of a year for music. But this year has started off really fucking strong. I honestly think mm-hmm. it has genuinely. Yep. That's another Absolutely. thing on Patreon as well. I shared a link to a rolling kind of new song playlist thing I'm, I'm doing this year and just kind of putting in new and notable stuff. But genuinely the first six weeks of this year, there's been a lot of very, very strong stuff to the point that I'm not being able to keep up with all of it. So uh, I hope everyone's been having a good time with, with music lately. What a weird fucking segue that is. Uh, Adam, instead of the usual new sting to kick us off for the new section, could we please listen to some De La Soul? Absolutely. So wipe your lottoes on the mat. Hip-hop love, this is, and don't mind when I quiz your involvement before the sun. But clear your court, because this a one-man sport, and who's better for this than plug one? Plug don't one. have to worry about me squashing other deals, because they've already been squished. Freeze a frame of our moves the same, which we can continue right behind the bush. You'll stay with me, I know this, but not because of all my earthly treasures, or regardless to the fact that I'm passing the news. Yeah, absolutely beautiful life-affirming music. And Craig, unfortunately, we're discussing it for sad reasons. Can you take Take it away, please, sir. Yeah, it's um, really sad news. Trugoy, the dove, um, one third, of course, of Dale Zoll has passed away. Um, cause of death wasn't revealed. Um, there was some talk that he'd been diagnosed with uh, congestive heart failure in recent years. Um, so just really, really sad news. But Dale Zoll, so influential, so different when they arrived stuff like that I mean what a classic I know not just because it samples of course Steely Dan (laughs) (laughs) some stealth Dan in there they didn't make my top five spoiler alert guys but a little bit of peg there and I think some sitting on the Docker Bay whistling which is amazing sampling Um, such a staple I guess three feet high and rising um it is the record that's always talked about. They did have a fairly extensive back catalogue and do great stuff thereafter. It was different because they were those kind of artists. They would always push the envelope and didn't want to be pigeonholed. Um, with varying like the obstacles uh, coming up against them as a result. But yeah, I mean, you can't really get past what a landmark that was because it just feels like so part of the fabric of one of the best strands of hip-hop that I think you probably not even forget because we weren't around, but it's it's hard to kind of fathom how different it was when it came out. Um, a true guy, um, D- Dave, as he was essentially known to people, was such a huge, important voice and a huge, huge part of that. Um, so yeah, end of the Daisy Age, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of what's so great about hip-hop is directly linked to this man and uh, his influences still just resonates absolutely everywhere. I mean, uh, Tyler, the creator, is a, a big No Encore favourite. All his Flower Boy stuff and even more recent stuff, that directly comes um, from the likes of De La and Tribe. Um, and yeah, just really kind of shocking news. Uh, yeah, tough one to take. 
Extremely so, yeah. And also happening over the course of a very busy weekend or few days for music news. And thankfully, it wasn't lost in the shuffle. And there was an awful lot of tributes coming in. And the impact of De La Soul has been... I guess reverberated around the world, and like the timing of like the, the timing of this would would be horrible regardless. He was only fifty four years of age, but yeah. it's coming at a time when the back catalogue is coming to streaming services next month, and that was supposed to be this massive celebration. And you know, essentially, I know. Look, streaming services are obviously they've got problems, and musicians have every yeah. right to be pissed off with them. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but what it does bring you is accessibility. And it was going to open up this catalogue to a whole new generation of listeners and people who could access it very quickly. But after so much kind of legal issues and red tape, and this was meant to be a huge moment for all of the people involved. And now, of course, it comes as an epitaph, which is no one saw this coming. And I, I, like he was very active. I think he was on tour with Gorillaz yeah. recently. Um, but, uh, like you know, the only good things that can ever come out of something like this is to see the level of respect and love. And you just know that when that is out, Everyone's gonna go fucking running to it. I mean, they already should. I, I'm not. I, I, I'm not gonna pretend that I've got all their fucking records. I don't. But it's just a weird counterpoint to people were counting in the days to like this thing, and it was gonna be this, like I say, this kind of I celebration know. where they all got their flares in a different way for different generations. And now, unfortunately, we're talking about legacy and impact, and you know, a yeah, lifespan. It's like a bad cosmic joke. Um, and yet, one of those few, like really, really seminal acts that weren't on streaming, which just, and again, to your point of like, of course, we can talk about royalties and payments and everything that's wrong with the music system and industry at the moment. But that thing of like, if you're not on streaming services, you're, you suddenly become separated from the kind of newer culture and newer listeners. And we're probably, we're approaching a point where. Dilla were so influential for, I guess, people of our generation. So, you know, a lot of people that are massive artists now, it was like your favourite artist's favourite artist kind of thing. But those kind of younger kids, that had been maybe a, a bit of a blank spot. And thankfully, that's about to be corrected. Really, really sad timing with him passing away. But um, yeah, yeah, just tremendous, tremendous um, artist. <clears throat> I'm going to move to lighten the mood here, by the way, because you did mention Steely Dan coming into this. And I got a message yeah. today. I got a message, I got okay. a DM off um, Ross Fortune, a.k.a. Benny Smiles, who has guested right on this show, show before. Yeah. And he yes. messaged me out of the blue to say, Dave, I wouldn't say something was urgent if it wasn't truly necessary. And this is as much for Craig, open brackets, sorry to hear about the breakup, close brackets, as it is for yourself. <laughs> but it has come to my attention that there exists a yacht rock cover band called Yachtly Crew. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and brilliant. I sent I sent back a very derisive message and Ross followed up by saying, Don't be so quick to diss. They're playing twelve hundred cap venues on the Seize the Day Tour. As in S E A S the Day Tour. So there incredible. We go. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. I, I had said before uh talking with a, a friend um of ours about like just if we did end up forming like a yacht rock duo, what would we call it? And I think the name that we we're gonna go with was Two Sheets to the Wind which I quite like. But um, Yali Crew is just, that's And it has the umlauts as well over the respective letters, of course, of course yeah, which is really good. The umlauts. Um, okay, let's move on to Super Bowl content. Uh, we'll talk about Rihanna in a moment, but let's start with Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, I think he's the quarterback, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Is, yeah. <laughs> Don't know if I'm pronouncing that name. I'm not an American football guy, you can tell. Mahomes, yeah. Mahomes, uh, he was on Jimmy Kimmel and he uh, dropped a rather Kimmel. adorable... 
It's not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he dropped a rather adorable a music related opinion. Let's listen to it. Yeah, no. So we started off. They actually threw a nice uh, party for us at the hotel. The chain smokers came through. DJ Khaled came through. Um, you can't beat that, man. That's every genre of music you need right there. Adam, that man. Uh, someone needs to take hold of his phone and never let him listen to Spotify again. <laughs> like that is heinous. For someone to say he named every like genre of music you could possibly need. I don't see uh, the issue. It's God. true. Um, I, I thought it was really lovely, actually. I, I was like, oh, bless this man. Also, he did say as well um, that at halftime during the Super Bowl, I think they were losing at that point. He said that the coach of the team said, if anyone leaves this dressing room right now to go watch the Rihanna show, you can keep on walking. So <laughs> they missed it. But uh, did you stay up to watch Rihanna and the Super Bowl in I general? Sir. I certainly did not, no. It would have been better if the coach had been like, all right, guys, we're down, but um, <laughs> I just want you to come with me. And it was just like, <laughs> let them catch like the last five minutes and see diamonds and just be like, take inspiration for it and just be like, you go out there and you shine bright like the diamond that I know you are. Do it for but, her. Um, yeah, do it for Riri. Uh, I watched, I did my traditional thing now of watching... Um, I didn't watch any American football highlights. I watched the the highlights, which was like the full 15 minutes of the halftime show the next day. Mm-hmm. And um, I enjoyed it in a way that was like me very much enjoying the music because it was Rihanna's music. And also realizing that it wasn't really a performance that had any major moments, I would say. Um, the big talking point was probably the fact that it came to light that she is um, pregnant once again. Like that yeah. seemed to grab all the headlines. Um, yeah. Did you stay up for it, Dave? No, I did not. Uh, <laughs> which is no disrespect to American football. I, I stood up a couple times for the Super Bowl and I had fun, but I would need to be at like a Super Bowl party or something. It would make no sense yeah. to me just sitting in would my room would also need to be it. off the next day. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, just, you're getting none that done the next day unless you're like living in America. But living hang on, in America. Yeah, it was Sunday night. So I'll tell you what I did. I watched, uh, I watched three films on Sunday. I watched Charlie's Angels 2, which wasn't great. Yeah. And then I watched uh, Heat again. Like, that's a good <laughs> No, he was the following day. He was the Monday. I watched The Raid and then The Raid 2, back to back. And then oh, I, yeah. Well, you, see, you mentioned watching The Big Day. <laughs> which was wonderful. Uh, unemployed and single, oh, guys. Incredible. It's a great life. Um, then I went to bed. Uh, I didn't watch Super Bowl. But I will be staying up for like Elimination Chamber in WrestleMania because WWE has been really, really good as of late. They've got a really good long-term storyline going with Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. It's very compelling. Um, but let's get okay. back to let's get back to Rihanna. So yeah, of course, I've made this joke already on on national radio. But I will say that um, I think people were upset to discover that she wasn't in fact about to deliver her second album or next album. She's about to deliver her second child. Of course, that's what's coming up there. Everyone's that would have been a good part of the performance if she had incorporated that. I guess the timing was off. She'd know, uh, yeah, much like my gag there, the timing was off. She'd know special guests. I thought it was good. Some people th- thought it wasn't very good. I thought it was a good mega mix. I thought the performance thing was cool. She seemed into it. I don't I don't demand a lot from my Super Bowl halftime show, though. I don't know. You're not looking for a great concert, maybe. It's just a spectacle. The crowd seemed to love it. Um, Donald yeah. Trump didn't like it, though. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he ranted. Um, I'm not on Truth Social, but I believe you are, Dave. So did you get some quotes for us of what he had to say? He's being hilarious, listener. I'm not on Truth Social, <laughs> but I have access to news reports the that mention. Yeah. <laughs> I've got this thing. Because you're a journalist, you've got access to news reports. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm like Tom Noonan in heat. You know, these things just fly through the air and, and I catch them. Um, it's called the Information Superhighway. On his Truth Social platform... Donald Trump said, epic fail, Rihanna gave, without question, the single worst halftime show in Super Bowl history. Mm. 
This after insulting far more than half of our nation, which is already in serious decline, with her foul and insulting language. And then he goes, also, so much for her stylist. Apparently her costume was put together by an Irishman. Uh, the son oh. of a rugby coach or something. Um, Am I right in saying yeah. it's Cork or something like that? Yeah, I, I did I have no see idea. Some, no I did but, like, see Trump, something about not happy. that. Yeah. You know, what a surprise. What are you going to do? Um, I, thought um, was, I thought it was fine. I thought, I thought it was I thought it was, yeah, it was good. I mean, Rihanna's never been someone that has gone over the top in terms of her own performance or like, you know, dancing around or adding bells and whistles. Um, I like the kind of staging of it. Like all the platform stuff was pretty cool. <laughs> Looked very dangerous and shaky. I got nervous at certain points. Um, but yeah, she's kind of just someone that like belts it out and that's her natural charisma to shine through. It wasn't going to be like full choreographed dance routines and things like that. So it was great. Um, I did have a moment when um, she did a bit of all of the lights. Did you have mm-hmm. the yeah, same thought cool. I did, yeah. which was just like, it was Kanye great, but also be I had that sad. Oh yeah, no, no, he didn't have that thought. <laughs> there was a time, a much more innocent time when he used to live in football stadiums, but um, <laughs> he was a different person then. Um, yeah, he would have just been hanging around. Where all he did no, was I had that the th- wrong album release. Sorry, when all he said, like, yeah. all he said was like, yeah. do weights and like say, it's coming. It's co-. four weeks, I think it was coming and it never came. I feel like it was more than four weeks. Did you see um, Rolling Stone did one of those like list things that they do today and it was terrible albums by brilliant artists and Yay was the number one album that they chose? Oh, really? Yep. The album, yeah, seven tracks. It was yeah. uh, that was pretty good. I, I, he's got worse albums, um, but yeah, I did have that regretful thing of just like, oh, he should have done this someday, and now it will never happen. I mean, it's a very, very minor thing, but it's just like, yeah, well, that that door is closed. Um, real quick on the real, real quick on the Rolling Stones. I guess thing. sorry, I was going to say I, I was qu- quite upset that it didn't rain for Umbrella. Like oh, she yeah, didn't have yeah. a Prince moment. That was the only flaw with it. But yeah, that aside, well, sorry, least, Rolling Stone. At least Jay Z didn't uh, leave his seat to do the terrible uh, Jay-Z intro to that song. Agreed, um, agreed. Rolling Stone, yeah, that list, uh, just real quick, St. Anger by Metallica is in there, despite not being their worst album. Do you want to guess what R.E.M. album they picked? <gasps> um, Around the Sun. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a great album. It's like one or two decent songs on it, but they just spent too long on it. Yeah. I do want to give a quick update on the Rihanna thing, though, because some people were like, why did she do the Super Bowl? Because in 2019, she said that she wouldn't do it. And she was like, I said, I, I wouldn't sell out. And it was all about Colin Ka- uh, Kaepernick or Kaepernick. What, why don't I know how to say people's names anymore? <laughs> um, anyway, she has done a new interview with uh, British Vogue. And she has said, with regards to her doing the uh, Super Bowl thing, there's still a lot of mending to be done in my eyes, but it's powerful to break those doors and have representation at such a high, high level and a consistent level. Uh, she said two Super Bowls back to back, referring to last year's headliners, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige and Kendrick Lamar. You know, representing the urban community globally, it is powerful. It sends a really strong message. And then she talks about raising her children. And then she also mm. gives an, a, an update about the new album. Do you want to hear that? Yeah, it's not coming anytime soon, I would imagine. Quote, I want it to be this year. Like, honestly, oh. it'd be ridiculous if it's not this year. But I just want to have fun. I just want to make music and make videos. So there you go. That's fair enough. And make a mint <laughs> advertising her Fenty line <laughs> mid-show. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we had, you know, at the time we talked about Jay-Z recently collaborating with the NFL and getting on board just as, I can't remember what his full title was, but it was about trying to bring more representation in. And there was a, there was a whole debate at the time around that, but it kind of makes sense that she's on a similar page to him at this point. Um, 
So yeah, I just, it's a whole can of worms, but it was, I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed the spectacle. Well, listen, we don't want to open a can of worms, Craig, but we will pry open the Bono box. Yeah! <laughs> Bono, Bono, Bono! This is the place where we talk Bono, Bono! It's everything you wish you didn't know about Bono. Bono box. He's a communist. If you think about that, that's kind of mad, isn't it? Am I allowed so good. still use that sting after you're gone? Like, how, how does it work? Oh, please. I really that think sting it's, is it's eternal. Too good. It's too good to retire, Dave. I have to put my okay. foot down here. Well, listen, it doesn't uh, belong to us anymore. It belongs to the world. That's true, that's true. <laughs> um, why are we talking about Bono and the Bono Box and you 2 and the Super Bowl at the same time? It's because, according to their very enthusiastic press release, uh, they dropped the ultimate sneak peek to a mass global audience uh, with a Super Bowl commercial about their new project, which is Octung Baby Live at the Sphere. There's this new Las Vegas thing that they're doing. Um, this yeah. new bespoke arena. It's going to hold 17,500 people. Apparently this whole thing is going to cost $2 billion. They're putting on Octung Baby over a 12-week period in this thing, even though they, they stress it's not a residency. Sounds like one to me. And Larry Mullen will not be there. He's been replaced, Greg, no. by some young man from Holland, or the Netherlands, I should say. This is absolutely outrageous. I can't believe it. Um, I, I said on the show like mere weeks ago, they probably, I'd be very surprised if U2 does anything without like all four of them there. Um, it's not what they're about, Dave. It's like goes <laughs> against their values. But um, I guess what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> um, Unless he joins them on the road. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, he might. I just, it just makes me even more cynical about a thing I was already cynical about. This, the clip itself was just weird as all hell. I, it, I like it was cheesy. It also struck me as like the way it was capturing the zeitgeist of weird like alien things in the sky potentially being shot down. I was like, has this whole thing of like the US Air Force shooting down things over the skies been part of like a YouTube viral campaign or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, They're back. They're cool How do you feel about it? Would you, would you go and see it? I mean... Yeah, I'd go see it. It sounds cool. I mean, Octane Baby's my favourite YouTube record. And I mean... It's weird that they're doing that one, isn't it? Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like the biggest crowd pleaser. Yeah, maybe not. But I, I think they can do something good with it. And Larry Mullen, yeah. with all due respect, I mean, I think they can get by with a different drummer. I mean, although I should say, I have seen a lot of YouTube comments from YouTube fans being like, I'm not going near this. I've been following the band on tour forever and this isn't the same band to me, which I, which yeah. as a drummer myself is quite heartening, I should say. But at the same time, I, I, I will also recognise that you can get by without your drummer. You get another drummer He's in. the heartbeat of the band, Dave. <laughs> it's his band. It is the Larry Mullen Jr. band. Yeah, featuring Bono. Um, well, let me give you some bump from the press release. Here's a quote from Bono, yes, The Edge, do. and Adam says here, um, it's going to take all we've got to approach the sphere without our bandmate in the drum seat, but Larry has joined us in welcoming Bram Vandenberg, who is a force in his own right. What a great name that is, by the way. Sounds like fucking signed on loan from Willem Tway by Man United in like the 90s. Uh, Vandenberg? Oh, it, uh, sounds, it sounds like they're taking part in like gladiators or yeah, something. This it's going to take all we TM. got to approach the sphere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the quote continues, The Sphere's show has been in the works for a long time. We don't want to let people down, least of all our audience. The truth is, we miss them as much as they appear to miss us. Our audience was always the fifth member of the band. Nice football cliche or there. Or the fourth, possibly. 
Bottom line, U2 hasn't played live since December 2019 and we need to get back on stage and see the faces of our fans again. And what a unique stage they're building for us out there in the desert. We're the right band. Octone Baby, the right album. And The Sphere, the right venue to take the live experience of music to the next level. That's what U2's been trying to do all along with our satellite stages and video installations. Most memory on the Zoo TV tour, which ended in Tokyo 30 years ago this fall. The Sphere is more than just a venue, it's a gallery. And U2's music is going to be all over the walls. <laughs> gallery, something slightly less interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Edge also had some things to say about the sphere. The beauty of the sphere is not only the groundbreaking technology, <laughs> though it make it so unique, w- with the world's most advanced audio system integrated into a structure which is designed with sound quality as a priority. It's also the possibilities around immersive experience in real and imaginary landscapes. In short, it's a canvas of an unparalleled scale, an image resolution, and a once-in-a-generation opportunity. We all thought about it and decided we'd be mad not to accept the invitation. Adam. It's also... I, I've, sorry, Adam, go on. I've, I've a lot of time for you too, and Bono, but my God, that's a load of wank at the end there, isn't it? Like, There's no way the Edge said that, by the way. Not a chance. No, he doesn't say anything. He just plays guitar. Also, <laughs> the, as, the sphere is fa- famously a structure with no edges. It's just one curved <laughs> surface. How's he going to negotiate that? This is against God. I don't like any of this. Against God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> against Bono's God. So you wouldn't go, is that what you're then? I'll go. Yeah, I'll go. It'll be some spectacle, to be fair. Let's all go. I'd say it'll cost a lot of money. I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, Vegas, it'll be yeah. ridiculous prices. Oh yeah, yeah. Not just getting there. I'd imagine this is going to be a gig where you're talking thousands, right? Like it's people blowing money in Vegas. You're going into the sphere. You're seeing Octum Baby. It's it uh, decadence, Dave. Okay, last thing on it though. How do you feel about them getting a, a a relatively unknown person behind the drum kit as opposed to say? A Dave Grohl, uh, a Lars Ulrich or whoever, you know, a rotating cast of megastars. Is this the right approach, do you think? And what do you think about fans who genuinely are like, we're rejecting this? Because, of course, only once in U2's history did they ever play with a stand-in. And it was when Adam Clayton was apparently so violently hung over in Australia that his bass tech played for him. And allegedly yeah. the experience made Adam Clayton be like, OK, I can't do that again. Like, I better get sober or something. If I've read what I've read correctly... So there are, like, it should be said, there are you 2 diehards who genuinely are not into this. Yeah, and I understand why. I mean, it's, it's, Larry Mullen Jr. with the best will in the world. I mean, he's not the, he's not like the most insanely technical drummer. I agree with you from a kind of musical standpoint. A lot of people can probably pay that, play that stuff, but it's what it represents. I suppose if you're following the band for years, they've always talked about how like, if one of us leaves, that's kind of the end of the road. We're, they're the Fab Four, Dave. They're the famous Fab Four. <laughs> and um, I think, yeah, it's it's just... It feels it feels a bit like I, I don't know how long this was in motion. He's known he's had to have surgery for a long time. It feels like this might be the beginning of the end. Like, it does like feel he, that of, way. or at least of him just going. Do you know what? I'm just going to retire entirely from touring and just bow out. I don't just to, I suppose throw my two cents in here. I don't think they would have like this. Definitely wasn't a flippant decision. It wasn't something that was kind of like done on a whim. This like. Your man would have had to. What's his name again? The Bram Vanderberg. Bram, Bram, Vanderberg, Bram Vanderberg, famously of U2 fame, <laughs> um, <laughs> is now going to like he. Van Denberg. I apologize. He Sorry. is going to be. I'd say he was vetted within an inch of his life for this. Of course, for this gig. So like they're not taking him on. 
lightly, like I'd say Larry probably had input as to who was going to step in and who like he thinks could do the best job. But like Craig said... It well, d- not the best job. Well, of course. You know, you want, you want someone too good. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I think what Craig said there, it does feel like it's kind of coming to a bit of a slow close, doesn't it? Because like the curtain's kind of yeah. starting to draw a little bit. Like they are... Elder statesmen. Get, getting on, yeah. And... Um, you know, you, you can't do it forever, unfortunately. Um, wouldn't have been hilarious. Well, particularly it, if you're the drummer. It's the most physical, yeah, it, yeah, most yeah. demanding role, wouldn't of have course. Been, so, wouldn't have been yeah. hilarious, though, if Bono was like, hey, Elijah, can I have Inhaler's drummer, please? <laughs> like, <laughs> that would have been great. He's a good drummer. <laughs> That'd be cool. He is a good drummer, yeah. Their yeah. new album's coming out, I think. Um, what if it was Fabrizio Moretti of The Strokes, Greg? Would you enjoy that? Oh my! I'd be all over that. It'd be fantastic. Um, I wish it actually yeah, was like Lars a- Lars Ulrich, and he and he brought the he brought the Stanger snare with him. <laughs> no, hilarious. stop with that snare! It's the worst thing that's happened to music ever. The best. I love it. I love it so much. Um, okay, listen. Uh, I mentioned the Strokes there, and they're kind of related to the next segment, which I don't know. I mean, like this is one of those ones where I was like, should we talk about this? I kind of want to. So. The okay. Brit Awards. The Brit Awards happened this week, Craig. It was on Saturday night. It's not usually on a Saturday. Did you watch any of it? No, I've seen again seen clips. Everyone seemed to be watching it though. It seemed to be like the everyone. first time it was a proper <laughs> Well, everyone that wasn't out on Saturday night, but there was people like firing comments around and like I just thought at this stage we know Brits is full of cringe and usually barely watchable. And yet people were tuning in. I guess the Saturday night thing had a had a part to play in that. Yeah, Fontaine's DC won an award. They won Best International Band. So well done good, to the lads. Good yeah. for them. Good for them. Um, the nineteen seventy five won an award as well, and there was a lot of kind of speculation about. Mandy Healy gave a very subdued speech, and one wonders if it was in response to a certain podcast he appeared on during last week, which um, led to quite the uproar online. Um, he, he, he's, he's been cancelled by his own fan base, it seems. Although this seems to have blown over just as fast as it became an issue. Um, so he's on this, he's on a podcast called The Adam Friedland Show. Are you familiar, Craig? Yeah. Um, I wasn't familiar with this being a thing, but then I became familiar with, apparently, the guy Friedland and, like, the co-host Nick Mullen used to be Combtown, which I didn't a, listen yeah. to, but I know is a kind of dirtbag left kind of standard bearer podcast yeah, thing, right? edgy kind of thing. I mean, like, how would you describe that style of because um, like it's a huge following that come down thing uh, that's the name of it um, yeah. but like somehow flew under kind of a mainstream radar like a lot of people were being like all, like all the 975 stands who got offended by this podcast this podcast has essentially replaced that one it seems it's, it seems like it's pretty much the same thing minus one of the guys who was on it with them and you know like I was talking genre someone, I don't get it but I was talking to someone during the week and I was like it's, it's, it sounds like it's just edgelord humour and, and my friend was kind of like he goes well he goes it's not so much edgelord humour and he's not a fan but he was kind of speculating he was like it's more like you know it's comedians and you know comedians will say anything type thing and it does feel like there's a meta thing going on where they're like it's designed to offend you but like I don't quite like I, I never really fucked with it too much I listened to a few standalone clips of it before and I, I kind of got the impression pretty quickly that I was like I probably shouldn't quote unquote be listening to this but it is and very also popular as, <laughs> I don't know yeah and like I, I'm, I don't want to speak for you but certainly like probably as a teenage boy I you know would have enjoyed quite a lot of edgelordy kind of humour with the thing of like 
oh, we're being ironic. Of course, And like, yeah. this is a thing that's like, we, we're kind of so beyond this and above it that we're ripping the piss out of this kind of humour. And that's something you kind of grow out of by the time you're about... 17 I would assume so it's weird he- hearing these grown men kind of still indulging it it feels very 2005 yeah and it's kind of it's a weird yeah I you sent me a link to the thing just because you were like well, my, my chat about this on the show um and I skipped around I found it kind of unlistenable uh it was like sub 90s Howard Stern I guess trying to be mixed with like the Communist Manifesto or something. I don't know. It's weird. I've got a clip. Um, and got... Matty Healy. He, sorry, yeah. Do you want to go well, on? I've got a clip. clip and like, it's, it's like a two minute long clip. And I'm kind of like, I feel like I should play it for full context. And this is them talking about like, and I will say, I did find this bit mostly funny because it's just I like, it's so cringe and it involves Julian Casablancas. But like, and I guess a DM he sent to someone. Were you aware of this? Like, is this like a thing that's known among Strokes uh, community that he apparently DM some gal once and it was really awkward? Yeah, like I saw the the memes about his his DM, which was just like, "Hello, fair maiden." Yeah, it was yeah. All, if you they want to go on a psychedelic this, voyage so, with me, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah it's, it's in yeah, this clip. And what I will say as well Sorry. for this clip, real quick, um, there is one moment where one of the guys uses uh, a, a word that we don't endorse, uh, which is used as a you know vindictive thing to say about uh, mentally disabled people. So I'm I'm not oh, editing okay. the audio because I want to present it the context of this show. So you know that's in the clip, just so you're aware. I DM'd Ice Spice. Did you? And there's a couple of shit. Like, I try not to like DM because it's like it's not a good move, right? You want to be like cool, so you want to like, like send a, a telegram, yeah, exactly, telegram. like a raven or like you know, fly over their house in a hot air balloon, and <laughs> your penis to. Yeah. 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 Well, something like that, especially not just like a Julian Casablancas esque DM. Mm-hmm. So um, I that DM is the it's best. the best. Have yeah. you have, have you ever read that out? I don't know if we've read it on the show, but mm-hmm. Max get Max that man it to us. a fucking fedora. Yeah, like, Julian. What, well, uh, let's read it out. We have to right read now. that. It's as the for the reference. It's not even a fedora. Get him a fucking a, a bag of candy in a van. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I mean it's, fo- fed- it, yeah. it's it's beyond widowerly kind of yeah. levels of. Hello, fellow human traveler. Yeah, you yeah. know it. You must know it. Uh, what seen, is it? Oh, yeah, he yeah. says... But, I mean, I bet you know he it. Said, oh, right. what your brain's yeah. like. He says, memorized. He DMs this girl. He says, howdy. IG showed me pictures of you, even though I try to focus on art and human-like animals and people fighting. <laughs> what the fuck are human-like animals? You mean know. monkeys? He, you yeah, fucking he doesn't retard? fucking know what he's talking about. <laughs> human-like <laughs> animals? So I thought Furry I'd say a respectful... He's just watching. So I thought I'd say a respectful platonic hello, psychic pal parentheses maybe and then uh new line the end and then uh and then a salute emoji and it says returning to self-imposed solitude oh dude that guy i when i was a when he was, I was the coolest guy in the when world I was, when i was 15 i was like that is the that is the coolest kind of guy you could be mm-hmm. when you become a guy that just wants to get pussy though it's just so sad like when you go from a guy who like gets pussy and then you get used to it, mm-hmm. and then it dries up, and you like continue to try and find it. Like, yeah, it's so not a good vibe. But anyway, no ice. Okay, ice so, spice. Yeah, what a voice. Um, yeah, a lot in there, you know, a lot in there. And um, I don't know where to start. <laughs> what do you think? Like, what's your? Because like, I, why, I felt. Why would he from... go on this? Is the th- is the big thing? Because he loves this kind of stuff. He wants to be one of these dirtbag left people. He wants their audience. He doesn't want the 19... Can can you give us the definition? Not not to be fucking Simon Mayo interrupting Mark Kermode to be annoying, but dirtbag left, what is the definition? Um, Peppering your socialist politics 
ticks with like edgelord humor to try and it's it the whole thing is reactionary to how i think american um politically engaged youngsters felt that like the democratic party were becoming too milk toast and vanilla and not hitting back at the republicans and it's essentially like using the obnoxious tactics of the republicans to try and further the more righteous causes of you know societal kind of political stuff obviously that is nothing to do with the content of most of what their shows are including this kind of stuff um but yeah i think maddie healy is someone that's like constantly being like um i'm an atheist when's my day when do i get to be offended and you know oh i've been cancelled 17 times like he's reveling in that stuff so of course he wants to be this guy and he doesn't want the 1975 audience really he wants to be like throughout the like all the clips i i listened to of this it struck me like a couple of things he's not that funny and he was trying very, very hard to be humorous in the way these guys were being humorous and giggling along, being like, oh, I'm allowed to kind of join in with these guys. That's kind of the way it struck me. And on top of that, just really kind of some gross humor as well. Yeah. Can you read out some of the uh, UK independent... Oh, what am I reading out? Oh, sorry. Okay. That, that I've, no, not like quotes from the show, but like, because it did make the news. I mean, I should say like, there. I, I do want to start, I, I want to talk about parasocial relationships in a second, but uh, <laughs> stay tuned for Dave talking about parasocial relationships. But uh, first, Craig is just going to give you Top five parasocial relationships. That would be a fucking great top five. We've all got our own. Oh, next week, but next week, man. Um, yeah, so the, basically why this is newsworthy is that um, Maddie Healy sparked a backlash over this podcast interview in which the host mocked Japanese, Hawaiian and Scottish people. Um, so yeah, during the conversation, Healy, Friedland and Mullen appeared to make a number of derogatory remarks about women, as well as mocking the indigenous Scots language and Chinese and Hawaiian accents. Um, and yeah, there was just varying degrees of like the chat about women was like them clearly trying to be ironic but talking about oh isn't it as well yeah and talking about how like um oh isn't it funny how women's periods uh, like sync up and are controlled by the moon uh, meanwhile men went to the moon haha <laughs> we're being ironic we're not actually chauvinistic it was just like oh lads these jokes were done 15 years ago and you're knobs <laughs> it was all that kind of stuff and yeah the the mocking accents was um, I don't think Matty Healy engaged in any of that and a few times he seemed to be laughing nervously but well, he didn't. I mean, you know what he, kind of show you're on those guys have done They again I've never like listened to the shows too much and this isn't me protesting too much I I did once like go down a YouTube rabbit hole of a bunch of best bits or whatever and I was kind of like yeah like this is a bit too bit too spicy for me but like um, they do do um, racial impressions on occasion which you're kind of like how is this allowed but again uh, like I don't understand the world of this i assume it's comedians trying to egg me each other but i should say maddie healy didn't do that but there was a moment where he did say like oh can you do your japanese accent thing there on one of them oh, and yeah, then the yeah. lads did and he was laughing so it's like can't really do that uh, and we don't endorse that that's bad um but like he's i say he's just an obnoxious bloke isn't he like he's just obnoxious as much as i like some of the tunes my god he's insufferable talked about harry styles getting a pass from people for quote-unquote queer baiting which again i mean on, on the show last week i used that phrase um because you know that is a topic of conversation but like yeah it just seemed to be like at every turn offensive things were said which is definitely the case but the stands man the reaction from the stands woof um it's a weird one because i don't think <laughs> Like it's not a very defendable position for him, and again, I don't think like I don't think he's going to ever comment on it or whatever. And I wonder if he'll ever do anything like this again. But just seeing and like uh, maybe with the caveat that I presume a lot of these people are of teenage years and such. But 
I just find the level... I, I went down a fucking rabbit hole of 1975 stands on Twitter. And even in an instance like this where your hero has let you down, and he has, like, he definitely, like, there was people, like, there was, you know, people of Chinese origin saying, I'm really offended by this, and here's a photograph of me with him two days ago, and he was my hero then, now you broke my heart, which is totally fair, absolutely fair of yeah. that person to feel that way, and it's horrible that they feel that way. But in the same breath, what I would say is, it's to put so much, like to live vicariously to this degree through a rock star. Because like one one of the big things that came like that that I really kind of took from this podcast was, in my opinion, Maddie Healy hates his fans, <laughs> and would prefer to yeah, have a different set of fans, and you know he's kind of in this position where like this, these are his fans, but at the same time, like. You know what it's like, whether it's a 975 or a Niall Horan or a Taylor Swift or a Lady Gaga or whoever. We see these people online who just like all their avatars are these people and like all like their 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 usernames are, you know, met Harry second time or whatever. And again, caveat of there's probably a lot of like 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds of that. And that's fine. You're young, you know, you're more innocent, etc. But I just think devoting your fucking life <laughs> to these people is only going to hurt you in the long run and like that's part of learning and that's just the way the world works and maybe you need to go through it but there's also a bizarre fucking level of entitlement from people who you know expect like these whether it's a Maddie Healy or ever to be like a Sims character that they control and if they don't do exactly what they want them to do then it's the end of the world and it's just this weird yeah. there's a derangement to it and I don't like I don't quite I always find it very difficult to try and harness myself into a, a real kind of cogent point on this stuff because it's so sprawling. But if you look at like just the way it it it, it filters out in these tweets and the the discourse and the dialogue around it, it's really like it's it's arguably as toxic as some of the stuff on that podcast. Granted, it's a much different subject matter, and I'm not in any way defending that podcast or the things those guys said. I thought the non racist stuff was occasionally funny but like you know that's just oh, what a sentence David. i know yeah i know yeah, i'm really covering myself I'm, I'm covering myself in glory here but i'm just trying to say that like i find myself being like well does this have comic shock value or, or is it just a bunch of guys being dickheads it's probably the latter but i do think in the same i, I think it's worth having a conversation at the same time that like the reaction of 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 hardcore stands is just it's it, it it's 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 weird like i i don't know why you know Matty Healy's Burke. Stop fucking pedestaling. Like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say there. Like, stop putting on a pedestal. Don't be surprised when it turns out he's a fucking dickhead. You know, that like that's kind of... I will say, like, it is interesting timing because it's happening alongside that tour that they're doing, which is this big artful deconstruction of a thing. And on the Nile Down podcast... Including week, toxic masculinity. <laughs> exactly. And on the Nile Down podcast last week, Andrea Cleary was describing the live show and she was making a defense for him in terms of, you know the way the media report on him. And I thought the points she made were all very, very valid. And then he goes and does this, <laughs> which takes away from yeah. that. But like, I don't know. I just, I think that the podcast was a bad thing to do. I, you know, especially from his point of view, it was like, mate, you could have just not done this. But I just think that there's, I think that there's a level of tying yourself into someone in a parasocial way that isn't going to actually end well and there's very little nutritional yeah. value in it i mean i'm not, I'm not saying don't quote the artists out there i've got fucking tattoos in my body that are related to music related to books you know these are the choices that we make you know but i just i don't know it's very and again look they're young fine maybe i i, I maybe i should just shut the fuck up 
Well, listen, Noel Gallagher covered this in the classic song, Don't Look Back in Anger, when he said, <laughs> please don't put your life in the hands of a rock and roll band who'll throw it all away. Wise words. Matty Healy obviously endorses it. He wants Oasis back together. He says they'd still be the, the coolest band in the world, <laughs> apparently. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, no more heroes, Dave. It's not worth the aggro. Yeah, let me ask you one last thing on this. Uh, did you yeah. cringe when you learned of that you think Casablanca's DM that time? I mean, do you know what? Probably not to the extent of other people. Like when Matty Healy was saying there, it's just like, this man was the coolest person on the planet. And then he's talking like this. And I'm like, have you seen any or read any interviews with Julian Casablancas for the last 20 years? Man is as awkward and like hippy dippy and like... <laughs> He's totally the guy that's like, I want to talk to you about art. I was admiring your pictures. And it's just, he also just happens to be an extremely handsome rock star who could get away with doing that in bars and stuff. But yeah, a different story when you're DMing people that then use it against you. By the way, I think that person was like well into their 20s and stuff. It wasn't a, because there was a line there about him like being a person with candy and a van. And I'm just like, if people are like, what the, who the hell is he approaching? Yeah, and I, should I say, think it was I like should a say, full grown woman yeah, in her 20s. Just, but just, still a bad look for a famous to, man like just that. Just Jesus. Sure I, I haven't fully cancelled myself either. That's the kind of stuff I found funny. And like when he was like, get this man a fedora, I thought that was funny. You know, Yeah, like, that's a good line. That is a good line. Okay. But we don't endorse yeah. fucking racism because, you know, bad bad stuff don't do it um do we have time for the nick cave story or should we jump into the top five because we've been going for uh, i think an hour. we do a top five yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> okay the nick cave story was about like cancelled songs uh we've talked enough about uh, he's all in favor of it yeah he's like it's it's great it's like uh it's, the one thing i will say that i found feather in my cap when a song yeah. gets cancelled the one thing I, I i found yeah and he was kind of making the case that like art can be controversial blah 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 blah, blah. yeah the one thing i found funny was he was it was the red hand files he was responding to a fan someone had written in to ask about tom jones song delilah being banned from like the rugby stadium or something the welsh rugby yeah and it said you know the fan whose name is tom <laughs> continued and i was like all oh, right <laughs> <laughs> parentheses jones all right jones yeah 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 okay look we're gonna lighten the tone um or are we i don't know maybe maybe these will all be tracks of darkness who knows um by the darkness i'm gonna lighten it okay it's top five title tracks uh this was decided because we were in a race against time and i was like let's do something quick and breezy so how was it for you um, it was great. I think it's a big kind of banner one. I was p- very pleased with the selection. Um, we could have gone with a whole, if we'd ended up reviewing Kalele, um, that that album has a title track. So in, in honour of that. Um, but yeah, the only thing with um, title tracks was that a lot, of, a lot of stuff was kind of taken for different categories, like opening songs that I'd had, or a lot of them are like very long. Like a lot of masterpiece albums will have a title track that wants to make a real statement about, you know, the overall record and run for maybe like 10 to 15 minutes. Um, So there was some long song ones there. Um, But overall, I kind of just had fun with it, Dave. Just tunes I like, varying lengths and various genres. And yeah, I'm, I'm here for a good time. Not a, not a long, long time. time. Yeah, <laughs> not a long time. As we know. How about well, you? Yeah, pretty much the same. Let's get going. Why don't you go first? Okay. Um, here's my hero. <laughs>
it's George Michael. Um, one of the good guys confirmed um, and sadly no longer with us. That's Faith from the album Faith, which was his solo debut. And this track and the title and the lyrical content and the musical approach all act as a real kind of mission statement. Um and rallying call and kind of an artistic mantra for him to believe in what he's doing um, and, you know, getting away from the fun, albeit teeny bopper wham stuff and really carve out a serious um, career for himself. Um, and he does it kind of so sublimely over this record where there are tracks of kind of utter devotion, um, but also alongside very sexy songs. Um, it's just all juxtapositions, this record, and I think Faith, as the title track, really encapsulates that. Um, so it's it's him kind of going very back to basics. It's like 1987, and everything is like drenched in reverb, and there's big massive drums and stuff, and um, he comes back with this song that's just like right up front and so crisp, and that guitar strum is just like pure kind of Bo Diddley, like 50s pastiche, but he's going for like a rock and roll pastiche to somehow kind of root himself in like, um, you know, quote unquote serious music and kind of grab at permanence. And it's such a really interesting kind of update and hybrid that he does so well. I love that this this is when he starts getting like really self-referential, which he would continue for the rest of his career. So you have that like funereal like organ playing the melody for like freedom which opens up with it which is basically just like this is the we're at the kind of wake of um what wham was and who that person was and then just like abruptly cutting in with him on the guitar and those tight um, jeans and the shades and what a cool fucking like statement of both visually and musically i have arrived on the biggest star in the world and i'm actually the most interesting as well so it's just it's got everything and it's hella fun as well yeah no it's incredible and he is amazing and he is missed constantly still he was just the coolest fucking guy the most erudite awesome guy just like in interviews in music as a presence as a person uh he was the best and again i wish i appreciated him more in his time uh this song is an absolute classic it never gets old it's always fun it's always great it's perfectly defiant you know it's so fucking good that you wouldn't think that anyone could somehow eclipse it with the cover version, but in 1997, Craig, a certain oh, fuck off. <laughs> quintet from Jacksonville, Florida, called Limpus, came along. <laughs> Gotta have fun. That's a good version, in fairness. Oh. Like pe- people say it isn't, but they're wrong. It's a great version. But no, the original. Is, I of say it isn't. Hold on. No, I'm misremember. I'm definitely misremembering. You, you did include. Did you include that in your top five favorite cover songs? I probably did. That's or did a- we just chat about it? Maybe you said it as a joke and then went on to quite seriously wax lyrical about it for about five minutes. That sounds like something I would do. Adam, can you check if Limp yeah. Bizkit's Faith appeared before? <laughs> it, I'm sure it did. It had to. Have. I couldn't have passed that up like, like that opportunity up. Could I? No way. Sure. It's too I good. Totally I wonder did George comment on the cover at the time because it was massive. Maybe I just I could imagine I some extremely. Yeah. Would have been. Would have we'll been a cool team up, but uh, alas, right now. <laughs> Go on, Adam. I'm checking. I'm checking. Consulting the archives. Hang on a moment. The mysterious no encore archive. Mm, yeah, on the edge of my seat. Um, I would be shocked if you officially placed it within your top five. Why would you be shocked? Um, it's a great cover. Like like. I'm not being ironic. I've always enjoyed that cover. Okay. What's wrong so with it? So Limp Bizkit in the top five have been picked twice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
By who? <laughs> <laughs> well, you won't believe that. No, I'm only joking. Um, so Dave picked it for top five wacky subgenres for new metal with with okay. Roland wacky subgenre what was i thinking <laughs> and then uh it was picked in songs about villains behind blue eyes oh wow um, what a song <laughs> and also, you want to talk about limp Bizkit covers <laughs> it was also picked <laughs> fucking who picked cover no oxcord 9 uh dad vibes was picked in no oxcord oh yeah that was the new one I, so i didn't i didn't pick faith so i must have just thrown it in as it could have been like a throw to clip yeah do you know what I was? I was unironically listening to and enjoying "End Together Now" by Fred and Method Man on a run there during the week. Ju- Why? Because it's a in. great song. I have to jump back in here, Craig. You did pick Limp Bizkit. I picked it. <laughs> you know, oh my god! You, song. you did pick Limp Bizkit. You picked uh, "Eat You Alive" for worst new metal open brackets. Dear oh, Lord, close okay. brackets. Okay. That's the. In fairness, I, like that song, uh, minus the lyrical content, like, yeah. is good, but the lyrical content is a problem, which I believe Craig illustrated. Deftly on that episode, more deftly oh, than Fred Durst would do. Sorry, Craig picked it. <laughs> Craig, I'm going back through all my emails here. Craig picked Faith on the uh, 10th of what? April 2020. Worst covers. So, yeah, what the fuck? For, for what? For what? Uh, I think it's probably worst covers. Worst covers. Right? Because, yeah, it, that must have been how we ended up chatting about it. We had a di- disagreement. Oh nah, my God. Upsetting, upsetting. Disrespect. Not good. All right. Okay. Uh, End Together Now is a great song. Rearranged is on that album as well. That's a great Limp Bizkit song. But we'll move on in the top five title tracks. It's it's me now. It's my number five. And uh, it's weird. I mean, like, I didn't plan to try out another trigger warning on the show. But uh, I should note uh, this audio bit now coming up does include um a homophobic slur but uh please bear with me i assure you i would not include this if it wasn't appropriate context i swear here we go So that's against me and the song is Transgender Dysphoria Blues. The singer is Laura Jane Grace. And quite frankly, I mean, like, what was I going to fucking do? Like bleep out the word? I'm not going to censor Laura Jane Grace. I think that would defeat the purpose of the song. The song is about Laura Jane Grace uh, transitioning and essentially the difficulties that come with that. This comes from the record Transgender Dysphoria Blues, which is in and of itself a concept album about a transgender sex worker and the life that they lead. Um, this, you know, like not to quote the line here, but like, you know, it's, you want them to notice the ragged ends of your summer dress. You want them to see you like to see every other girl. They just see uh, that word and they hold their breath not to catch the sick. It's about like, like Laura Jane Grace has spoken very obviously vocally about her life um, and obviously becoming transgender. Um, if that's even the correct phrase, I apologize if it isn't. Um, she said in 2012, the cliche is that you're a woman trapped in a man's body, but it's not that simple. It's a feeling of detachment from your body and from yourself. And it's shitty. It's really fucking shitty. Describing gender dysphoria. In 2014, she said, I would describe it as a feeling of misalignment where the gender you feel internally doesn't match up with your assigned gender at birth. When you're too young to know what it is, it turns into shame. Um, we, we featured against me on the podcast before the amazing song Thrash Unreal. And I, I think against me and Laura Jane Grace are responsible for some of the most incredibly to the bone, you know, raw kind of punky songs out there and just uh, as life-affirming as they are heartbreaking and there's just so much in them. 
and so much personal experience, of course, yeah. as well. And I should also say that this week in the world has been an extremely difficult one for the trans community at large and uh, love and support to them at this time yes. and, and always, of course, as well. But um, I'm just so taken by the empathy uh, in this song and to write about the experiences that she was going through and to do in such a raw way. And, of course, to dress it up in a typically, you know, fast-paced, um, you know, uplifting musically against me kind of familiar signature style. Uh, for the most part, like a lot of the songs go that way, but this is just such a important song and full of self-loathing and a bit of hope. And, you know, unfortunately referring to the fact that there are people in the world who don't have that empathy and don't see people for the person that they are and don't understand the struggles that people go through. And it just, it was one of the first ones that came to mind when it came to title tracks. I mean, any excuse to feature an amazing Against Me song and, you know, to go back to even like Thrash and Real, which I picked ages ago, a song that gives me so much every time I hear it. I think that, you know, her voice and just her approach to this kind of stuff, I mean, it's just so fucking raw. And like, I don't, I don't know what the current state of play is for that band. I know they're on hiatus. I know that Laura Jane Grace has released a couple of solo albums, I think, in the last couple of years or at least one of them. Um, but there are, there are some standout songs from this band and I think she's an incredible force of nature on the songs that I love. And I, just, I had to include this one. It's just a fucking really incredible slice of life and a difficult one, mm. but I think an important one too. I just love the melody of it as well. It's kind of tune that would work in a lot of different musical contexts. You could imagine that slowed down and just like as a really well-worn country song, just feels true and real and permanent. And um, yeah, my number four is... Um, a song that's been described as a country song by a couple of old prog rockers who now hate each other's guts. <laughs> how I wish, how I wish you were here. I think we can all agree that Fred Durst's acoustic tribute song at the 9-11 memorial concert when he did this oh, was... Did do it, was yeah. Are all of your songs going to be Limp Bizkit covers? Incredible. <laughs> who, who did he do it with? That wasn't the Jimmy Page thing, was it? I'm going to look it up now. Oh, that might have been Thank You. He I'm did Led Zeppelin's Thank You with I Jimmy Page. I think it was Page. just him. And Jimmy Page was playing a 12-string guitar completely out of time and out of tune with Fred Durst. And I was just like, does Jimmy Page he's, know he's on a stage with <laughs> another musician at this moment in time? I'm going to look it up. You tell um, us about this one, though. Well, this is, yeah, you know, a song about being disconnected and somewhat absent. And it is very much at the heart of everything that album of the same name is about. Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Um, I think this is probably the second... Pink Floyd song I've picked. No need to check it, Adam, but I've, I've definitely picked Shine On You Crazy Diamond, which is from the same record. It kind of deals with the same stuff. So the whole thing is essentially a a loose concept album about Sid Barrett, the original frontman of Pink Floyd, who um, famously just had a kind of complete 
a mental collapse uh, towards the tail end of the 60s. Um, there had been kind of drug experimentation involved. Um, no one really knows exactly what was at the root cause of it. It seemed like he had some issues with schizophrenia that wasn't helped by other things he was doing at the time, but it was a really, really sad deterioration. And um, the band couldn't deal with it. They were extremely young men um, at a time when just people didn't know much about mental health or how to cope with other people, particularly if you're kind of like uh, stiff upper lip British people. So they essentially just eventually stopped picking him up for band rehearsals um, and he didn't seem to be any the wiser. Um, It's almost a kind of sadder story than if he'd it's a weird thing to say, but like if he'd passed away at a young age because he just kind of, it's something that always terrifies me, just the thought of becoming disconnected with your own psyche and mind. Um, and it's something that Roger Waters kind of grappled with and haunt, it haunted him so much so that all kind of Pink Floyd's music thereafter became about um, absence, mental illness, um, dealing with your kind of internal voice and who you are. And I think this is the best, most um, empathetic version of that like a lot I, as much as I've probably talked about Pink Floyd on this show don't like a huge amount of the records really I'm not like the world's biggest Dark Side of the Moon guy I mean it's very impressive Great Kick in the Sky is tremendous this album in particular though I do kind of turn to um, off an occasion and I think this is the best thing on it probably uh, David Gilmore's called it a kind of country song it's it's weird. It's like a kind of seance through a stereo as well. You've got that weird radio transmission um, thing going on. It's just a beautiful melody. It's so cliche and overplayed, um, which is, you know, not something you say about a lot of Pink Floyd stuff because they were massive, but they didn't really have that many hits. But yeah, like I went back to it this week and I'm like, ah, oh, those fucking lines still get me. They still get me in the absolute feels. And yeah, even more relevant now that like, you know, the band hate Roger Waters. They're still squabbling like they were in their 20s and 30s. It's never going to end. Um, but at least they created this, I guess. Have you have you found what you were looking for? Oh, yeah, Dave? absolutely. I have. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> Who did Fred Durst perform with uh, on the 9-11 tribute concert thingamajig when he did Wish You Were Here? Well, I'll tell you, Craig, it was John Resnick, who was, of course, oh. the founder, guitarist and frontman of American rock band Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> Could only be the Goo Goo Dolls. What a wonderful I, I, Yeah, I was, imagining, I was imagining someone like that. Maybe Rob Thomas or someone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. Um, Incredible. Real, real, Incredible. Real quick, what is the... Um, do we know what like the first Fisher in the Pink Floyd squabbling situation was? Like, Do they always have beef or like, where did it all begin? Roger Waters seems like a very difficult man to deal with and like he kind of took over lyric writing and I think by the time it gets to this record he just thinks and he still thinks that like we were talking about how he's now re-recording Dark Side of the Moon because he's like those guys those guys were total charlatans like they don't understand the lyrics man meanwhile it's like well all the music is by, by like David Gilmer one of the best guitarists of all time like <laughs> Richard Wright and you're just like the kind of okay basis that did some lyrics that are like I don't know will it say uh, yeah he just seemed like a pillock and the rest of the band were like what are you doing mate will and it then say, from it, the 70s until now it, that's continued is it going to be billed as Dark Side of the Moon brackets Rogers version close brackets that's what I want <laughs> probably that's yeah, what I want that sounds great okay uh, number four for me in title tracks um, I, I'm interested to have a debate about this song so here we go hey! <laughs> what a, the perfect reaction. 
and then I'm happy for the rest of the day. Safe in the knowledge there will always be a bit of my heart devoted to it. It's Park Life by Blur, taken from their 1994 wow. record of the same name, Craig. Now, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about here. So it went to number 10 in the UK singles chart, number 30 in Ireland, but it's seen as one of the defining tracks of Britpop. And it really is, isn't it? It's so bolshy and um, yeah. ironic. This and like common people, I think if you just have those two videos, you know everything you need to know about Britpop. The video in particular is to use that overused word, iconic. It genuinely is. Um, but here's the thing, right? Is it a good song? Because Common People definitely is, but I feel like this one's been kind of disowned over the years by the band or by fans, and it's kind of like, well, that's a bit of a joke song, country house style, perhaps. Um, but I have such uh, vivid memories of this when I was younger, to the point that this would have been the first Blur song I ever heard and seen that video, yeah, and I was fucking obsessed with it. My older brother was a fan of the band, but I like this and Girls and Boys were the two songs I listened to the most. But of course, because this was the first Blur song I heard, I thought Phil Daniels was in the band. In the band. <laughs> <laughs> Not an actor doing a spoken word thing. But um That's amazing. Yeah. I think this was on the first now compilation I ever heard, so I would have been rinsing this. Um probably playing it through my very first PlayStation or something like that. That like rings a bell and just like dancing around the living room. Um I think it's a decent tune. I mean the Phil Daniels spoken word thing is a bit wearing because it's just, there's only so many times you can hear that. But I think the chorus melody is pretty genius. Um, it is a bit bolshy. I can understand why, like, pretty soon afterwards, Damon Albarn was like, oh, Jesus, I don't want to be associated with this kind of level of stuff. But it's better than, it's better than some of the, the Great Escape kind of more pastiche things that came out thereafter. Although this is the first point where you could argue this is almost them being a caricature of the band they were on Modern Life is Rubbish, which is just like already it's becoming a bit of an overblown thing. But I think it stands up musically. I like it. It's just, I mean, I was kind of cheering when it came on there. I, I was did, like, yeah. 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 I think it always cheers me up. It's, I think yeah. it's throwaway it's in a bouncy. good way. It's a good riff. I think it's throwaway, but I do think it is a genuinely uh, historical document of that time. Graham Coxon said the song was sarcastic rather than a celebration of Englishness. He said it wasn't about the working class. It was about the park class. Dustbin men, pigeons, joggers, things we saw every day on the way to the studio. Pigeons it, are part of that class. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Rats with wings. Uh, and that it was about having fun and doing exactly what you want to do. Phil Daniels had been approached to recite a poem for The Debt Collector, but Albarn could not find a poem he liked and made the song into an instrumental. He was asking lead vocals on Park Life instead. It says here, Daniels reinvigorated the band, who had grown tired of working on the title track. He was unfamiliar with the band, but after talking to Damon Albarn, he took the job. The recording in the studio took about 40 minutes. He opted for a cut of the royalties rather than being paid up front. Smart man. I don't know how much money he made, mm. but I assume he made some money. Um, is this true? The song played a part in Blur's supposed feud. Not supposed, that was a feud with, with Oasis. At the 1996 Brit Awards, when the Gallagher brothers taunted Blur by singing a drunk rendition of Park Life uh, when Oasis were collecting the best British album On award. stage, yeah. Hmm, I don't yeah. remember that. I remember Leem singing a bit of a, as like a kind of snide thing of like, Ugh. yeah, that was an interesting feud, all right. They all seem like buzzing buddies now. Um, well, you know, you it's get interesting older, to listen you to that. For the f- all these yeah. 
Yeah, and you suddenly start going, oh, my old enemies, you know, they were actually better than the kids these days because it kind of elevates you as well. There seems to be a lot of that going on. Yeah. But um, just listening to it first time in a while, we talked about Draw Your Eyes Mate by the Streets like last week on um, breakup songs, whatever, worst breakup songs I believe it was. Yeah, this is better. This is like, the, yeah, this is like the blueprint for Fit But You Know It though, isn't it really? Like that <laughs> jagged guitar and like the spoken word stuff. It's a, it's very, very similar. Um, just Maybe. From, I shall, I'll finish yeah, up, still, I'll still finish up by, um, by throwing to uh, Larry Flick of Billboard who said, Blur oh, continues Larry. to explore its newfound interest in shameless pop, first exploit on the giddy new romantic sounding girls and boys. This follow-up is pure fun as the British act pounces through bouncy melodies woven through playful guitars and spoken word vocals. Couldn't have said it better myself, Larry. What do you got next, Craig? It's the best in the game. Um, here is Oasis with Morning Glory. Sufjan Stevens, it's um, come on, feel the Illinois are um, uh, is this kind of a title track, is it not really? Dave, you raised this point when we're chatting about um, like the criteria for our selections and it intrigued me so much your question that I was like, oh I'm going to have to include this because this is kind of actually my favourite type of title. So you kind of posed the question if it's like a play on the album title or if it contains like most of it or if there's a slight tweak does that count yes and, I and said, my yes. next selection will will bear that out because yeah if it has if it doesn't deviate wildly but there's a slight difference and it, it, it either refers explicitly to the title or is yeah. a mild variation on it can we include it and craig said yes so here we are yeah, which led me to Sufjan Stevens and yeah, which is, I, I love this album with all my heart. It was my first, um, probably my first exposure to the man himself, a 2005 concept album. The second of his um, 50 States project, we're still waiting for the rest of it. <laughs> uh, it's probably never going to come. He, I think he's since admitted that that was just um, a PR stunt, although I think he could have pulled it off. But yeah, so... The actual album title, I believe, is Illinois. It's after uh, the US state. But on the cover of the album, which I have, it says, Sufjan Stevens invites you to come on, feel the Illinois, which is a much better title and I love it. And then this song is called, um, full title, Come on, feel the Illinois, part one, the world's Colombian exposition. Part two, Carl Sandberg visits me in a dream, which is extremely Sufjan Stevens. And I absolutely love it. And yeah, that's like that clip we heard there is like the glittering um, curtain lifter of everything the kind of record is about and how he uses American history and all these um, idiosyncratic and colourful characters that have shaped culture to, you know, talk about his feelings. Dave and part two is brilliant because of course he's like talking about how like um, tearfully singing about how he cried himself to sleep last night um, when the ghost of Carl Sandberg approached his window which is like very on brand for Sufjan Stevens a man who has made himself cry with his own song when he did that 
acoustic cover, which I love, of a few tall devices. And he's just bawling his eyes out at the end. And I'm like, oh man, this is adorable because it's you. But if it was anyone else, it would be a little too precious. Um, but yeah, I, I still think this is probably my favourite uh, Sufjan Stevens record, just because I love how technical it is, um, how it sounds like there's choirs going on. This seems like a radio jingle for like the radio station that is this record about this place in the Midwest. Um, but he recorded most of it alone in his bedroom in Brooklyn. And that's the genius of the man. Yeah, I think the title qualifies. I, I, I feel like the parameters that we set invited in and thus we'll do the same at my number three here which um is a song i didn't love initially a lot of people hate it to this day but i think it's pretty great here is my number three It is Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance from the album The Black Parade. So just two extra words, Craig. That's all I was doing there. But I feel like it is. Yeah. It's, it's the I'll title track. It. Yeah. It's clearly the title track. It is. Um, there was a slight grimace from Adam when that track was played. Are you not oh, a fan? Oh, no, grimace. That was a smile. I love this song. It's a great song. It's like, this is like <laughs> uh, the guitar sound of like all of these like punk and emo bands from this era is undefeated. I'm like chasing that high 15 years later and I just it, 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 it's true you know he what is. I mean it's so it's so fucking he difficult is. really is Jones so and over difficult there. to find that again because it was like I don't know I think it's just that time capsule thing isn't it where it's like you hear something at a place and time and it's like signifies all of the stuff that happened around it and like I remember when I heard this for the first time I was in school and I was like I think I was like maybe in transition year at the time. So I came to maybe a little bit later, but I just fucking loved it. I like, I love this. I love uh, This is around the same time, I think, as Infinity on High by Fall Out Boy, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. This is 2006, yeah, okay. that was 2007. Okay. So it's the same Roughly kind the of... the same era. It's, it's yeah. that kind of... But it's that mainstream, that mainstream kind of rush for these acts. Yeah, that was kind of the big hot loved period. It. Like absolutely loved it. And it's kind of starting maybe to come back a little bit now. I'm hearing it with... Fall Out Boy's new singles. Myself and Dave spun them in the car recently. Um, when I, it was I love that you're like, oh, it's coming back. Fall Out Boy are doing it. <laughs> Me and Dave enjoyed it. I have to say, I'm hopeful for the record um, that's coming there. Um, My Chemical Romance. I don't know what they're going to be up to, but um, I suppose we live in hope. Okay, so. So, listen, I, uh, and I saw them last year and they played this and it was a lot of fun. Um, this is a rock opera. It's a concept album, Craig, uh, about a dying character, someone dying with cancer known as The Patient. It's about their death, the afterlife, and subsequent reflections on their life. Jared Way, his notion of death appearing to a person in the form of their fondest memory, in this case, a marching band. The band, of course, became The Black Parade and they had their, you know, their kind of, uh, how do you describe those outfits? Kind of like similar to The Beatles and Sgt. Pepper? Yeah, the yeah, they're style. like old. They're like military style. Yeah, military yeah. style, yeah. yeah, jackets. Military, yeah. Um, yeah, like, it's funny because you look it up and it's like, 
the genres this has been described as. The album has strong influences from 1970s classic rock, glam rock, pop music, soft rock, arena rock, metal, hard rock, gothic rock, alternative rock, emo, pop punk, punk rock, (laughs) post-hardcore. Jesus Christ. Um, Guitarist uh, Frank... Is it Frank Iero? Frank Iero. Is that how you pronounce his name? Okay. Um... People obviously like gave out about this album. They're like, what the fuck? It's it's pop music, lads. What are you doing? He said, when we did Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, which is the album that preceded this one, we didn't fit in. There was a little less screaming, a little more melody with this, but it was still us. Never was the case of don't put that melody there because hardcore Chuck, who took me to my first show at Fairfield American Legion Hall, is really going to be bummed at me. <laughs> I don't care. If I had to work at McDonald's for the rest of my life to play shows and ride in the van on tour, I've done it. I'll do it again. Uh, it is a defiant album. Um, and I, I remember yeah. this very vividly. I was working in Extrovision at the time, and I remember just like the video and Jared Way with his kind of short, uh, severe haircut, his bleach blonde thing and the pop-up stuff that the record label was doing where they would have people walking around London with like the Black Parade signs and you know it was like it was heaven for goth kids at the time um, and I think it actually is a very good album. I, I loved Three Tears for Sweet Revenge. I remember again working in Extrovision and hearing I'm Not Okay I Promise for the first Great time song. and being completely won over Great by song. it. Uh, this took a little while. Famous Last Words I think is maybe their best song of all time which is on this album. But I do. Teenagers is a great laugh. I, I very much enjoyed that. It took me a while to kind of get into that one. I, I kind of found it a bit obnoxious, but it is pretty great. And they're an obnoxious band, but I think in a good way. And like this, you know, obviously everyone, everyone's like, oh, it's them trying to do Bohemian Rhapsody. And yeah, it is. And that's not a bad blueprint. And I think they actually gave it a pretty good shot. And I, I, I think it is. I, I mean, my. <laughs> I, I appreciate it's not the same song, but I think that this is, this is the emo Bohemian Rhapsody. That's fair. Yeah, I, and I think it sounds redundant for me to then say, I think it slightly insists upon itself, Dave. But like, that's the point. But yeah, I think at the time, I guess just aesthetically, it wasn't quite doing it for me. But I'm glad they did it. And I'm glad everyone was so happy when they came back last year. It was just a kind of little strand of pop culture that I didn't go down. But um, yeah, okay, for my next choice, two gentlemen that also would have approved with... Um, Jared and the lads um, going their own way and standing out from the crowd. Like sounds of blackness when I practice what I preach, it don't lie. I be the baker and the maker of the piece of my pie. Now break a break a tin folk, can I get some reply? Now everybody say, Throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. And if you like fish and grits and all that pimp shit, everybody let me hear you say, Oh yeah, now throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. We didn't know how good we had it, Craig, did we? <laughs> Big boy oh, and Andre. Man. So good. Outcast. It is AT Aliens, um, which I never know quite how to say, but I think that's correct. And it is the title track from Outcast's second record. And I think this is the one, this is the moment where they start sounding like properly Outcast. Um, so their debut record was kind of put. Atlanta on the map in terms of hip hop, um, Southern playlistic Cadillac music, but was very um, Atlanta kind of boom bass music. It was very rooted in the South and the scene at the time. And this was them just like getting in their spaceship and being like, um, okay, we're taking over now both the charts and just um, the creative, you know, side of hip hop and where it's going. Um, so they'd had some level of success. They'd faced kind of um, pushback. I think they were at like the Source Awards and they were like 
booed when they went up to get their um, award for like best newcomer and Andre Trujasm was just like hey listen the South's got something to say so they just kind of knuckled down and um, I think Andre like went back to high school and finished his high school diploma and he like stopped drinking and he went vegetarian and he like started living this kind of like monk like lifestyle which also consisted of him just like starting to dress extravagantly and learning production and Big Boy was just like very supportive of all of that and then just writing the best bars I think he'd ever written. Um, So it's probably not the most heralded record of them but it's probably the best starting point if you want everything you know Outcast for and this is like there's about a run of five songs around this track and it's one of the best runs on any album ever I would say and this is just like one of their best hooks. It just sounds like a call and response thing that existed forever. But also the bars are so good. Um, uh, like yeah, Big Boy is so funny on it as he is throughout the album. That line about being cooler than a polar bear's toenails gets me every time. And then you're like, actually, yeah, Big Boy is really slept on and he's one of the best rappers. I don't know why everyone talks about Dre so much. And then you get to Dre's parts and you're like, oh, Jesus, this guy's just incredible. And like he's he's talking about being like, he opens his verses being, talking about um his prowess in the bedroom, but quite quickly flips to talking about African-American experience and um, how important it is to like, um, you know provide a nurturing environment for the next generation and how he wants to be like a good kind of father figure going forward and do the right thing for the kids and it's fucking great I I think if you like this kind of stuff in hip-hop this is as good as it gets they're just the absolute best I was listening to a film podcast recently and they were discussing Andre Benjamin, Andre 3000 and how they were like he's really good, he's a really good actor why has it not quite happened for him on screen? It felt like it was going to in the mid-2000s and then it just didn't quite pick up. I think it's probably down to him because um, I think we've all listened to the Rick Rubin podcast with him on it, right? Broken Records. Yeah, it's all Um, good. He's an incredibly self-conscious individual. I think he's kind of crippled under the weight of the pressure that he ended up getting, like, being put under because he's so good at what he does and he's like trying to live up to that standard kind of in a bit of a reverse Kendrick Lamar style and the way like Kendrick put out that record this year kind of saying like you know like doing what he does and like you know I don't want this whereas Andre 3000 I think maybe does a little bit want like he's still a very creative human being by all intents and purposes from the podcast but he just feels like he it's just not all there yet and I don't know if it ever will be and I don't know whether that's on the screen as well but it's certainly in his music so I think that could be linked. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Um, it was kind of a heartbreaking listen because it just as you say the weight of expectation I don't think he'll ever put out a, a solo record because I get like how could it live up to what people expect of it? Um, I wish he would but yeah maybe with the it never struck me as him being a natural kind of actor because such a kind of charismatic singular guy and also just putting him more in the spotlight it doesn't seem like something that he wears happily but also I, I, that said 
I'd say probably a lot of actors are self-conscious and it's a way of, it's a kind of release for them yeah. to kind of escape into a role. So maybe actually that was something for him. But yeah, I, Dave, you've, you've seen more of, of his stuff than I have. Is there, can you put your finger on it? I mean, he's just a, one of those he, weird ones, he's a solid, wrong projects. He's, I don't know. He's a solid screen presence. I mean, I'd mean, I, I, I'd like to, th- I'm sure the guy can call his own shot and do whatever he wants and maybe it is that thing. I mean, he's the last person you would think of of having any kind of, you know, crippling self-doubt, but I guess everyone does have it. Um, I just think that he's a really good screen presence and I'd like to see him in more stuff. Um, but maybe there's some kind of weird Zach De La Rocca thing going on where it's like, well, we're never going to get that solo album. I mean, like maybe it is just yeah. protective of their art and they've earned the right to do that. So, but no, I, I, I think he's awesome and big boy too, obviously as well. So good choice. Uh, number two for me, number two for me in title tracks. Um, let's have a dispiriting eight minute belt here, shall we? Integration by The Cure from the 1989 yeah. record of the same name. I say dispiriting. I think I was more going for some kind of disarray there. It's full of spirit, full of life, feels very dark, feels dangerous. Sounds like the kind of thing you would hear in The Lost Boys or some other horror film around that time. Yeah. Feels deliciously on the cusp of the 90s. Like really does feel like that kind of end of one era, beginning of another, and also somehow ahead of its time. I think most Cure songs that I like tend to be the kind of shorter, boppier ones. But then whenever something like this comes along, I'm just completely transfixed by it. I have to stop whatever else I'm doing. And I'm just totally taken away to a different place. I think in terms of creating atmosphere, there are a few acts that can do it as well as this. And I think you may have picked this before or certainly talked about it before. No, I picked um, Plain Song for Openers, I believe, which is there's been some crossover in terms of title tracks and, and stuff around that. Obviously not that one, but yeah, we, we discussed disintegration for sure. It's incredible. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. And that's kind of all I've got to say about it. I love it. It's brilliant. It does. It kind of also does that double job of encapsulating the record and the feel of it. And you just want to wallow in it and like slide down that rabbit hole. It's um, it's so good and dark and delicious. Great choice. Okay, my number one is going long as well. Um, I kind of teased you all with the shorter ones, the, the peppy ones. And this is, I I thought possibly... This was picked in long songs. Maybe David Tapley picked it. I don't think he did, though. And also, we haven't talked about the sad passing of Tom Verlaine. So this is maybe an opportunity to quickly do so. And you know what it is. My number one. It's television with Marky e. Moon, um, 1977 album, uh, a punk classic. If you like your punk with like 10 plus minutes centerpieces with dueling guitars <laughs> and kind of proggy lyrics. But isn't that the most punk thing, Dave? It's, it's you know, it's very My Chemical Romance. It's doing your own thing and fuck the haters. And that's kind of what television we're all about. Um, I adore the record. They're one of those acts where I know people kind of try to reevaluate 
the second record, Venture. I've tried a few times and I think there's a big drop off in quality, sad to say. But my God, for like one album in terms of that quality, Marky Moon is just, it's one of my favourite records. Um, I probably got it off the back of um, probably The Strokes, like reigniting New York's music scene and everyone being like, oh, The Strokes are just kind of ripping off television. And then you go and listen to Marky Moon and you're like, what? What? (laughs) This sounds nothing like The Strokes to me whatsoever. These kind of spindly, spidery, um, latticed guitars, um, that shriek of a voice, uh, very kind of Dylan-esque, impressionistic lyrics, but also the playing was kind of weirdly like that too. Just... um, the interplay between Tom Verlaine, who, yeah, has just recently passed away, and Richard Lloyd. Two totally different styles. I think Tom Verlaine kind of very much improvising and Richard Lloyd would kind of write out his stuff and you can kind of hear that thing. It feels very elemental. I think as a title track, it sums up what the record is doing, which is talking about New York and being on the street and being young and trying to soak up everything that this very gritty 1970s city has to offer but also kind of reaching for something beyond that that's a bit bigger and more meaningful like the marquee moon um but yeah it's it's one of those records i don't go to it all of the time it feels like you have to go and invest and like it's a very muso head, sit down, put it on and be like, stroke, stroke your chin and be like, oh yeah, yeah, I love what you're doing here. <laughs> but it doesn't feel, that's it, it doesn't feel dusty. And like, there's a lot of like bangers on it and great riffs and there's bags of hooks. I was reading some like um, Tom Verlaine tributes, which were all kind of glowing, seemed like a nice dude. There was a really good Paddy Smith piece in um, The New Yorker where, uh, they were extremely close, um, so much so that I, I think he he didn't have any children and he had a kind of illness um, later in life and like her kids were kind of taking care of him because he was just like Uncle Tom and he was just a really, really lovely guy. Um, but she was talking about how he kind of saw them as a pop group and um, and he, like there's quotes of him just being like, yeah, I thought we made like this um, like kind of very straight ahead pop record and I look back and I'm like Jesus fucking Christ like the title track's 10 plus minutes what was I trying to do (laughs) I don't know but um, I'm glad he did it um, because it's just it's really great guitar music that somehow somehow and maybe it is but I'm in denial it isn't wanky (laughs) well I mean uh, all music is pop music Craig that's my hot take that I will never explain because I couldn't couldn't possibly begin to, to do so um, it's funny, um, in terms of the any kind of sound alikes to Julian, hello fellow traveller Casablancas, surely it's more <laughs> on the, um, you know, infinite sadness by the voids end of the spectrum. Yeah, probably actually. That's a good shout. Just the sprawling, um, slightly pretentious, but still very vital thing. Uh, uh, yeah. That, and I also, yeah, something you don't sit down to every day, but when you do, you're drawn into it like, completely and... You know, are you the same person at the end? Who knows? Um, okay, it is the end, though, of this top five, because I've got one left, one more in the chamber. And uh, I, Adam says we haven't picked this act before, which I don't think is true. I believe it to be true, as per my record. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this is definitely featured on the show before in either a news story or something else. Um, there is an episode of No Popcorn about this act as well. But um, this had to be this had to be number one. It's just such a statement of power. And here it is. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube. 
like you hear that in, you hear the intro you hear the first words and you stop what you're doing you listen to this it's unbelievable incredible it's it's nwa nwa it's straight out of compton and it's peerless it's incredible it's full of incredible electricity it's the announcement of something bigger than than music itself you know it's just it's this moment it's a moment it's a moment in the world and i think yeah. you know it's it's so fucking raw <laughs> like there's just there's so much happening adam i have to know from a production standpoint like what do you hear when you hear this it's the drums like it's just the drums they're like so bombastic they're so powerful um it's like that kind of broken kind of like soul or funk beat like that has that like constant drone across that record it's the use of like kind of the guys in like different like acting roles and stuff particularly um you know in uh it, it is no it isn't this one right isn't it a, a, the judge dre presiding thing and like all of that kind of stuff um yeah I think yeah so. it's like it's uh incredible like the whole album is amazing it's actually the first album i ever bought on CD. Nice. What? <laughs> and I still have it in my car. It's incredible. It's so good. Oh. It's so good. Like, this was a golden era of um, hip-hop. And it it's, like... The beat is stands, so... Like, it stands up today. Like, if you heard any rapper on that beat today, it'd still be incredible. Oh, my God. Song of the year yeah. instantly. Yeah. And, like, the, it does that kind of... As you said, the drums are just so heavy. But they're also the Dre kind of sinister nagging repetition of the hook like it's just like kind of prodding you but also pushing you along um and i love every every verse is great it's just like here's another you know it's like introducing the cast of characters when easy e rocks up i just every time i'm like yes this is so much fun tremendous he sounds like he's having the time of his life it's great yeah brilliant pick i love it because yeah i love the like the the kind of the one-upmanship nature of it it's like oh yeah yeah, it's your turn now you got to fucking kill this um it's just so much fun like obviously it's incredibly yeah. heavy lyrically and you know there's an awful lot going on in it and it speaks to the time and a lot of troubles and struggles but I think it's also one you can just throw on and just feel 10 feet tall and it sounds yeah. it's, it's interesting Hilarious. that you said like you know oh if this beat came out today because it doesn't sound old <laughs> you know it doesn't sound absolutely not no like, it's not out of date it doesn't sound yeah it's oh god it's just so good so much power in it and uh, had to be had to be my number one so that's the show this week that's the top Beautiful. five top five title tracks good everybody um, I hope it sounds okay on Zoom I know Adam's going to make it sound perfect of course I'll do my we very will best. reunite in the studio next week uh, but Pat yes. Kenny over me there we'll reunite in the studio <laughs> um, yeah what else is going on you know don't let you go, Craig. What else is going on? <laughs> what, what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> another two-hour podcast. Well, we're already just sitting around at home, you know? We could go for another hour. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the uh, Arsenal Man City game on here to my left, you know? So... What's happening? It's one all. City just had a goal disallowed. One all. But who knows? It's half an hour left. Could finish anyway. God. You'll know, listener, by this point, if you enjoy football. know everything. Football. Um, yeah. Always one step ahead, the listener. Always one step ahead. But um, thank you, Adam, by the way. I don't have a tremendously good tie-in pun here. I apologise. Listen, don't worry about it. We can't do it every week, Dave. Although you do do it like 51 weeks, weeks out of the year, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. No, I, I can't not have one now. Let me let me think. Let me think. I'll, I'll, I'll think of something. Because I can't tie it into title tracks. Like, you know, I don't know. Just don't but, do um, it. Don't do it next week and we'll do like a cool 50 for the whole year. It's going to be grand. Keep it even. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, like I said earlier on in the show, um, if you would like to get in touch and discuss the future of the show or just, you know, send loving messages to Craig or whatever, that's up to you. 
Uh, you can do Always so. Always welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, you can do so if you want to email noencoreshow at gmail.com uh, with any feedback whatsoever you'd like to put forward. Contact us on our socials directly, of course. Greg isn't going anywhere for just a while. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash noencore. And that is the show for this week. Uh, any more solo cinema trips planned, Grego? I've got the bug now, to be honest, Dave, you know, I think so. <laughs> go see Tar. I, I want to see Tar. I'll go see Tar this weekend. Yeah. And I'll, and now I've said it on the show, so I have to do it. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. I also do I'll want to, back. I do want to do an a popcorn episode on Tar soon. Hopefully we will. But uh, in the meantime, uh, that's the show for this week, everybody. My name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And we'll be back next week. Much love. Much love.